0: Good day to you. hope you're having a wonderful day. So, we are ready now to read the first of the epistles. This is Romans. The letter of Paul to the Romans is the way my Bible has it stated here. Or the epistle to the Romans, the Roman Christians. Now, I'm going to read you a little bit of the introduction here. Romans is the longest and most systematically reasoned of Paul's letters. Paul announces its theme. Um, in chapter 1, verses 16 through 17. Let's look at that real quick. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. For in the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. So, now I'm going to go through, now this is from the English Standard Version but I'm probably going to go through and look at quite a bit of this in the Amplified Bible as well, because I think that brings up a lot of, uh, I think that helps us get, uh, you know, get a clearer meaning. I'm sorry, I was, I was being distracted by trying to bring that up right now, um, but I think that helps us get a clearer meaning and helps us to uh, understand what is being said better. So I'm probably going to do uh, a little bit of both, because I want us to understand. Now the English Standard Version is pretty easy to understand, but the uh, sometimes the Amplified Bible just brings more out. Alright, so anyway, Paul announces its theme, and we read that, The gospel is God's power for salvation for both Jew and Gentile because it shows us how our righteousness comes from God. Paul explains the need for justification through faith because of sin, and uh, there's uh, several places where he does that. He then spells out the results of justification by faith in terms of both present experience and future hope, and then... Let's see, he expresses his sorrow that many of his fellow Israelites have not embraced the gospel, and um, let's see, he concludes by describing how the gospel should affect one's everyday life. Now he wrote this letter to those in uh, in Rome, and they say they think he wrote it about A.D. 57. Uh, I'm just going to roll with that uh, as I have no idea one way or the other. So um, I'm not a historian, so I'm not going to debate. Their their timeline is probably about right. It's you know it's got to be fairly close, right? Pardon me, I'm a little dry here. So we're going to start with Romans one. Now, reading these epistles, I really want to try to take our time and not race through these. So these may be longer sessions than some of the others. Before we've read, the things we've read have been more of like Christ's life and actions and then the actions of the apostles. And now we're really getting into where the gospel is being explained. And so we're going to need to probably slow down and take a little more time. So bear with me on these. Um, If it seems like I'm flying through anything, please let me know. Um, in comments or whatever. Um, Alright, so this is chapter 1. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the holy scriptures, concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh, and was declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ, to all those in Rome who are beloved by God and called to be saints. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. Now that, that is Paul's introduction, and this is one sentence. Talk about a run-on sentence. And not that I haven't looked at this before, but it's just that, I mean, if you really pay attention, his, his intro, his greeting is a run-on sentence of, of multiple sentences and, and, and lots of statements here. So Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, he was called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. He was preaching the word of God and he was to teach and bring the word of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the holy scriptures. God promised this beforehand concerning his son who was descended from David according to the flesh. Now Jesus came down through the line of David, you know, in the uh, His human form. Um, Jesus, because Jesus was human, he had a body, even though he was also also the Son of God, and he was also God in the flesh and the Word in flesh. He was, you know, he was, he had a human body. He was a human in that sense. Um, And was declared to be the Son of God in power, according to the spirit of holiness, by his resurrection from the dead. That proved now this, of course, they had witnessed his miracles, and they had seen all that um, had been um, all that he had done, and all that had occurred, and they had seen the Holy Spirit descend on him when he was baptized, but notice he was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead. That was the absolute proof that was boom that was it that he was that he was the son of god jesus christ our lord through whom we have received grace we receive our grace we receive um, the forgiveness and grace of god through jesus and and we're going to this is all going to be explained more in depth as we go through all these epistles but um it is through Jesus that we receive our forgiveness through his sacrifice and his resurrection. We receive our gra- his, God's grace and forgiveness and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations. Now let me, let me see if I can dissect this correctly. Through whom we've received grace and apostleship, meaning we've received, you know, um, Paul, has received an apostleship. And to some degree, we've all received a mission to spread the word of Jesus. So you could say in a in a very, I don't want to say this in the wrong way, in a very finite way that we're all apostles or we're all, you you could almost say we're all preachers or whatever, but you you get the idea in a way because we're all supposed to spread the word of God. So uh, apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations. See, we're supposed to spread the word of God to all the nations, to everyone, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. So I'm having, I'm having even parsing through this, I'm having just a little trouble with this, and maybe it's this, this translation, or maybe it's me. Including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ who we are called we are called to belong to Jesus Christ oh he was bringing okay so he's, he's bringing the gospel to us too that are included you know teaching us who are um, called to belong to Jesus fellow Christians teaching fellow Christians as well um, to all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints now this this is still there's a comma and not a period but this is almost like another sentence to all those in Rome who are called by God, um, who are loved by God and called to be saints. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now this is like a blessing. This is kind of like saying God bless you, but it's it's better. I admit that I'm ten, I, I'm one of those people. I, I will just say like maybe God bless you. But this is it. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. That's That's basically he's saying, you know, giving them a nice, you know, a nice God. Bless you. Um, But he's wishing grace and peace, you know. I mean, those are good things, right? Those are blessings, though. Um, All right, so that is his intro right there. Now, I want to look at that in the Amplified, and this might be a little long, so bear with me but I want to try to see whatever we can gather from here and whatever we can learn and, you know, apply that to us. Now, this is just his intro, just his greeting, but he says certain things in his greeting, which is interesting and gives us some information, saying that, uh, for instance, that uh, Jesus was declared the Son of God in power according to the Spirit of Holiness by his resurrection from the dead. So let me... um. Let me look at the Amplified here. Paul, a, I'm just going to start with verse 1. That was the first seven verses, by the way. That is the first seven verses, his intro, his uh, greeting. So, um, Paul, a bondservant of Christ, Jesus, called as an apostle, who is a special messenger, personally chosen representative, set apart for preaching the gospel. Let me look at their note here. Yep. Yeah. Uh, okay, so set apart for preaching the gospel of God. Now he's talking about himself. This is his mission. He has set apart for preaching the gospel of God, the good news of salvation, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the sacred scriptures. So this is a fulfillment of prophecy. And Paul is pointing this out. This is a fulfillment of prophecy that God had prophesied this And he had, if you go back even in some of the things we've read from Isaiah. Um, So, so, through his prophets in the sacred scriptures, okay. The good news regarding his son who, as to the flesh, in other words, his human nature, uh, Jesus' human part, was born a descendant of David to fulfill the covenant promises, and as to his divine nature according to the spirit of holiness was openly designated to be the son of God with power in a triumphant and miraculous way by his resurrection from the dead. So, he was born a the sin of David and this is his human side. He was born as a human in the line of David and then he was reborn or designated nah, Maybe I shouldn't say reborn, that sounds... But anyway, when he was resurrected from the dead, when he was resurrected um, he was, you know um, this is as to his divine nature according to the Spirit of Holiness was openly designated to be the Son of God with power by his resurrection. So, So when he was resurrected and that was in a triumphal and miraculous way, his resurrection from the dead made him, or named him, or proved you know, like we were talking about before, it, it absolutely proved that was the definitive thing, that he was the son of God. Okay? It is through him that we have received grace in our apostleship to promote obedience to the faith, and make disciples for his name's sake among all the Gentiles. Okay? So it is through Jesus, it is only through Jesus that we have received grace and our apostleship to promote the obedience to the faith and to make disciples for his namesake among all Gentiles. Now here he's talking about himself but also us fellow Christians in that um, it is through Jesus that we've received grace and our apostleship which we all have some responsibility to spread the gospel doesn't mean we're all truly apostles but we all have some responsibility to spread the gospel and to promote obedience to the faith and to help each other and help others come to the faith and make disciples for his namesake among all the gentiles so there again talking about our responsibility and how it's it's up to us but how everything comes through jesus you know how the grace and um and, and our assignment or our, you know, our uh, purpose, our job, so to speak. Um, <clears throat> and though I know for some of us, we're, we're Christians, but we're not, like, we may not have the ministry of of actually doing um, the, the teaching and the preaching and all that. So... So, um, okay, and you also are among those who are called of Jesus Christ to belong to him. And so he's saying, and you also, fellow Christians, are among those who are called of Jesus Christ to belong to him. So, let's see. Now, this is going to read differently. I am writing to all who are beloved, instead of just saying to all those in Rome, says, I am writing to all who are beloved of God in Rome, called to be saints, God's people, and set apart for a sanctified life. That is set apart for God. I'm sorry, I hit the mic. That is set apart for God and his purpose. Grace to you and peace, inner calm and spiritual well-being from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. So here he's saying, you know, I'm writing to all who are beloved of all the saints, all of God's people in Rome. He says, um, grace to you and peace from God. This is like saying, again, another, it's a a blessing. But he's saying, I'm writing to you um, who are beloved of God in Rome, called to be saints, God's people, set apart for a sanctified life, which we are. And that is set apart for God and His purpose. And that's who we are as Christians. That's what we are as Christians. We are sanctified. We are supposed to be living a sanctified life. We are set apart for God and His purpose. Even today, even now. See, I'm trying to bring this to us now. Who we are, what we are. So that's what we are. And that's how we should be doing. So that is just the just the greeting from Paul. So, let me continue on with verse 8. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will I may now at last succeed in coming to you for i long to see you that i may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you that is that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith both yours and mine i want to know brothers that i want you to know brothers that i have often intended to come to you but thus far have been prevented in order that i may reap some harvest among you as well as among the rest of the gentiles I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. So these are Christians that are already there, but Paul has not been there yet. And he's writing this, this letter to them. So let's see, first I thank my God through Jesus Christ. He prays to God through Jesus like we all do, like we all should, uh, because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. So obviously they are they are known to be very faithful, for God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son without ceasing. I mention you always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will I may now at least succeed at last succeed in coming to you. So I'm going, to, I'm going to read this in the Amplified and see. So, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith, your trust and confidence in his power, wisdom, and goodness is being proclaimed in all the world. For God, whom I serve with my spirit by preaching the gospel of his Son, is my witness as to how continuously I mention you in my prayers always pleading that somehow, by God's will, I may now at last come to you. For I long to see you, for I long to see you, so that I may share with you some spiritual gift to strengthen and establish you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged and comforted by each other's faith, both yours and mine. Now this is something that does happen. This is why we gather together. This is why we um, <clears throat> we get together. Um, at our local congregation and in other places at other times, this is why Christians get together. is um, so so we can share, you know, our uh, our spiritual gift of encouragement and comfort for each other, and our love and care for each other. It's to strengthen us and help build us, you know, build us up, edify each other, and uh, uh, you know, having. Some of it is involving teaching, but some of it is just uh, even just, um, knowing that you have Christian friends that you're not alone, that you have uh, a Christian family, you know, that uh, you know that you're all together in following Christ. So, like I said, so that you don't feel like you're alone. Um, so that's part of it. Okay, so that's why you should. You know, that's, that's one reason why you should you should go to church as often as you can to be with your congregation to, to even if you just you know especially initially if you're just going and you're just listening, you're just taking it in you're just learning what you can learn. that's wonderful. That will build and strengthen you over time. It will be a, an excellent thing. So all right so um, I do not want you to be unaware brothers and sisters, that many times I have planned to come to you. Um, And I have have been prevented so far, so that I may have some fruit of my labors among you, even as I have among the rest of the Gentiles. And here, he wants to have some fruit of his labors among you. He wants to, you know, be able to teach them things, maybe maybe, uh, maybe convert some more people to be Christians. Um, There's a number of different ways that he could have fruit of his labors. I mean, he can have it just in teaching them and then they teach others and and they convert others and, you know, so forth. There's there's a lot of different ways that you can have valuable, valuable good results. Um, And that also applies to us when we talk to others. It may you never know when you speak to someone if you show them something or teach them something that it you know it may really make a difference in their life they may pass that on to others and that may continue on from there and it can make you know kind of like a little ripple it can spread out and make a big difference um, even if you don't see it or know it all right So, I have a duty to perform and a debt to pay both to Greeks and to barbarians. The cultured and the uncultured is the idea. Because the Greeks were known to be cultured and sophisticated, and when they say barbarians, they just mean people who aren't. So, cultured and sophisticated. So, (laughs) maybe I'm a barbarian, I don't know. Both to the wise and the foolish, So, for my part, I am ready and eager to preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome. So, Paul is eager to go and to preach to them. He has a duty and a debt. And his debt and his duty, of course, is to to Jesus, is to Christ for the debt that was paid for us. We, you know, we have been bought, uh, is a term that Paul uses, we have been bought. Uh, by Jesus, by his sacrifice, by his blood. Um, So here we're going to uh, continue on. For I am not ashamed, this is verse 16, we're still in chapter 1, this is verse 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. So, let's look at that in the Amplified. I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation, salvation from his wrath and his punishment, to everyone who believes in Christ as Savior, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, both springing from faith and leading to faith, discovered in a way that awakens more faith, as it is written and forever remains written, the just and upright shall live by faith. So, so, um, the righteousness of God is revealed, and it's both springing from faith and leading to more faith. So that's why it's like, is revealed from faith, for faith, in the English translation. The righteousness of God is revealed from faith, because we believe in God, we start reading, we start learning, and that just builds your faith, that increases your faith, it creates more faith, so that faith leads to faith, as you continue down that path, and you're studying and you're following. As it is written and forever remains written, the just and upright shall live by faith. And here, like he says, the gospel the gospel is from faith, because you you need to believe, but you believe okay, let's take it, let's break this down. You you hear the gospel and you believe. And you have faith, and you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and you become baptized, and from there you have faith. You have faith and you believe, but now you're going to start and you're going to, uh, that faith is going to develop more faith as you learn and you read and you grow and uh, you, you know, you're around more believers, around more Christians, and you just continue to grow. So it's faith that continues to grow from more faith and disclosed in a way that awakens more faith. So. Um so that's a continual a continual process we should be going through. Now going to verse eighteen, and we're going to read a good section here and then we're going to try to come back to this, okay? For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. So I want to read, okay, that's, that's verses 18 through 23. Let's take this in sections. And we will read this as a whole, too. Or maybe we should read all of this as a whole. Well, let's hold here for a moment. Let's, uh, okay, I'm going to read this in the Amplified. For God does not overlook sin, and the wrath of God is revealed from heaven, against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who in their wickedness suppress and stifle the truth. Because that which is known about God is evident within them, see, they know, in their inner consciousness, for God made it evident to them. For ever since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood through his workmanship, all his creation the wonderful things that he has made, so that they who fail to believe and trust in him are without excuse and without defense. For even though for even though they knew God as the creator they did not honor him as God or give thanks for his wondrous creation. So um Okay, so um, they did not honor... Okay, hold on. I'm I'm sorry, I'm trying to look at a note here. Like I said, this is really... um, This is really all just done, just kind of on the fly sometimes. So, on the contrary, they became worthless in their thinking, godless, with pointless reasonings and silly speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened, claiming to be wise they became fools and exchanged the glory and majesty and excellence of the immortal god for an image, and this is, you know, this is idols, basically, you know, um, basically Paul is putting down idols, and I will talk about that in a moment, um, which makes sense. So an image, worthless idols, in the shape of mortal man and birds and four-footed animals and reptiles. Okay. So, I apologize for that pause here a moment ago, but I was looking at a note that is in the Amplified here. So, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. We think of that and we apply that today and we see that in today's world that people do suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them. They plainly see, you plainly see in creation all around you, that there was a God. Okay, That there is a God, not was a God. I apologize for that. But I'm thinking also in the past for these people. But even as applied to today, there is a God. And it's plain to see that there is a God from creation, from the way everything is made. There is no way that all this just happened by random chance. Because that's not how things work. We've never seen just say for instance an explosion create life. We've never seen life just spring up from nothing, you know, and that's that's how things were made. That's how things were created. God created that. Um but then that's where we, you know, that's where he says for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature. For ever since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes have been clearly seen, being understood. Through his workmanship, all creation is what he was made. So that they who fail to believe and trust in him are without excuse and without defense. For even though they knew God... Now... This kind of, let me let me read this note to you. Anyone who attributes the existence of the world to chance or to a different creator is already guilty of deliberately rejecting God because to deny the true God, one must set aside common sense. Okay, so Paul is writing this as though, and which it is, it's common sense that of course there is God, there is a God, and he created everything. So, for even though they knew God as a creator, they did not honor him. But some people know, they know there's a God, but they do not honor him. They do not give thanks for his creation. On the contrary, they are worthless in their thinking, godless, with pointless reasonings and silly speculations. Okay, we see this all the time in today's world. And their foolish heart was darkened, claiming to be wise they became fools, to be wise they became fools, and exchanged the glory and majesty and excellence of the a mortal god for an image. This is idolatry. <clears throat> now Paul is basically indicting idolatry here. Um, let me read this note to you. He emphasizes that idols are essentially copies of living creatures, whether in human form or otherwise, because sometimes it's uh, they they worshiped an idol of a of a Greek myth or god and such. These lifeless images are clearly powerless, and even the living creatures which they supposedly represent are either non-existent hybrids and monsters, or else ordinary creatures on Earth who could hardly create so much as a grain of sand. So, Paul is really, you know, coming against the idolatry and um, talking about that being worthless and. Uh, that they, you know, they became fools for following these idols. Now, we make our own idols in today's world and in our time. Um, our idols may be any number of things from, uh, I'm trying to think of a good example. And right now I'm losing it. Our idols may be, uh, maybe we are a great lover of uh, cars or a great lover of uh well, it can be anything. It can, can be your idol. You can make anything your idol by accident, even um, just by simply putting all your time and effort into it and, and ignoring God. Um, it could be your work. It could even be your work. It could be some form of entertainment that you like. Um, it could be um, that you spend uh, all that time in other pursuits. Um, I'm just I'm just drawing a blank at the moment, but you get the idea. like um like most things are in and of themselves fine hold on just a second i'm kind of dry and getting kind of froggy so give me just a second so you know um we can easily make an idol out of all these things we love like i love my electronics i love to uh You know, have my computer and be able to do stuff, and I like to be able to, uh, I have like uh, an Xbox, which I do this on, and I do like to play games, you know, and you can, you can make that too much of a priority and put that ahead in your life. Um, In general, you can put entertainment and sex and other things in in front of everything else and make those your idols. Um, We don't want to do that, but uh, we can and these people actually were creating idols and worshiping actual idols. <clears throat> and Paul was just telling them how foolish that was because of course, an idol cannot create anything for you or do anything for you. I have, um, I have a little toy of the, uh, Mark five from speed racer cartoon sitting over here in front of me. And, uh, it's just there because I always kind of liked that. And, uh, my son gave me that car for fun, and um but it's not my idol. I don't worship it. I just it just reminds me of that cartoon when I was a kid that I liked, you know um but but you can make things your idols. you know, you can collect things to such a degree that 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 they become your idols. Um, and in these these days that Paul is referring to, these people were truly worshiping idols in our case. A lot of times it's more deceptive. Something becomes an idol without us realizing it because we, we don't realize we slowly slip over into that area of just putting more and more time and focus into that to the exclusion of all else. I mean, maybe we spend too much money on it. Maybe we spend too much time on it. Maybe, um, eh, you know, and, and if there's no benefit other than you're just getting enjoyment out of it, then you're selfishly just serving yourself when you get to a certain you know degree a certain extreme you're just serving yourself at that point and you're making that an idol for you to worship and spend all your time on and you know spend all your effort in so and that can involve sex and we're going to get into that in the next couple of verses let's read those now because <clears throat> i'm hoping i'm hoping that we've gone through that enough that you understand um, <clears throat> what Paul is saying there. Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. So, definitely, we're talking about people who know, or knew. There was there's God. But they are refusing, they are refusing God, and they're exchanging the truth about God for a lie, and worshiping and serving the creature rather than the creator. That's what they're doing with these idols. Okay, We want to be careful we're not doing this. Let me read this in the Amplified. Therefore God gave them over in the lust of their own hearts to sexual impurity, so that their bodies would be dishonored among them, abandoning them to the degrading power of sin, because by choice, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. So, God gave them over because they were doing this by choice. They were choosing. And this is this is the way it always is. We are choosing either God or sin all the time. Basically, I mean, and not that there's things that there's things that aren't harmful, that aren't bad, that you can certainly choose and do. But even then, you're choosing something that is, um, you know, something that is good and over something that is bad, because if you're choosing something that's bad, it's just bad. Anything that's not bad is by definition, to me, good. I'm am a I'm a very black and white person. unfortunately the world wants you to think there's a big gray area that you can play around in but there's not it is it is black and white um if you want to sit down and let's say you want to watch a i don't know i'm going to try to think of something let's say you want to sit down and watch columbo on tv been watching columbo some while lately off and on (laughs) so anyway i like those old shows but um there's nothing inherently wrong with that. Columbo is an interesting, entertaining fellow. He's always a good fellow. He's always trying to get to the, uh, um, <clears throat> get the bad guy and get him arrested. You know, it's a good thing with a good uh, principle behind it and a good story to it, an interesting story. And it's, it's really pretty moral, if you think about it, a pretty moral telling. So um, that is, by definition, a good thing. Now, there are neutral things. Most of those are objects. A hammer, for instance, is a tool. I consider it to be neutral. It's only neutral until you use it. Once you use it, you use it for good or bad. It's that simple. But by itself, just laying there, it's nothing. It's neutral. It's a good object, though, to have and to use when you use it for good. Am I getting off the topic? Hmm. Maybe. 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 Anyway, it's all a choice is what we're getting at. <clears throat> and they, they've chosen to move away from the truth of God. They've chosen to ignore the truth of God for a lie and worship something that's that has no power, that has nothing. you know. And it is all about choosing God over these idols. Whatever our idol may be, whatever it is that we're interested in, whatever we're doing, it's all about choosing God over that. It's not that you can't still enjoy other things, but it is about choosing God. So if I got off topic there and kind of confused things, I I apologize. But I was just trying to make a point of that. Um, You know, um, it's always about our choices um, when we exchange the truth for a lie. When we exchange good for bad, it's, you know, I mean, it's always good and bad. It's always the truth and a lie. It's, there's not really an in-between. Um, sometimes if we think there is an in-between, that means we probably have something wrong somewhere. Um, so, for this reason, you know, because they chose to not follow God and they chose to follow these idols... You know, God, God let them do it. You know, it says he gave them over to the lust of their own hearts. And he will let us make those bad choices and do whatever we want to do. He's not going to stop us. He wants us to come to him and want to come to him. So we're going to read on in verse 26. For this reason God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchange natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. Well, okay, this, this is plain. I'm going to read this in Amplified Bible, but I think this is pretty plain for this reason. God gave them over to degrading and vile passions. For their women exchanged the natural function of that which is unnatural a function contrary to nature, and in the same way also the men turned away from the natural function of the woman and were consumed with their desire toward one another, men with men committing shameful acts and in return receiving in their own bodies the inevitable and appropriate penalty for their wrongdoing. So we know uh, largely what this has to do with that. Uh, you know these are people who committing you know homosexual acts and unnatural acts that are maybe not clarified for their women exchange the natural function for that which is unnatural a function contrary to nature. So that could be a number of different things so um, <clears throat> so we know that um, this is what they were doing this is what they were interested in doing. This is what they were choosing, okay? They were choosing this, and people still choose this today. People make this choice rather than following God, rather than believing and following the appropriate thing. And part of this, part of the reason for this, I believe, is that they are malcontent, they are uncontented with what they are, and they want something else. and They want to be something else. Um, But they can't be, and... Uh, but anyway, because um, these people are choosing to do this, and that's, that's the way this is. That's the way homosexuality and all these other um, odd sex things that we know are not normal and natural, people choose those. For whatever reason, they choose those. It's not, it's not that they are born that way or that they are made that way. They choose to do those for whatever reason and they may have whatever justification or reason they have but they choose that again god is not gonna he's not gonna step in and stop you but you know it does say receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error um receiving in their own bodies the inevitable and appropriate penalty for their wrongdoing so um there are certain there can be certain health issues when you're doing things you shouldn't be doing with your body that can create certain problems. Um, So here, and I guess if we roll back up to the earlier verses, you know, God gave them up to the lust of their hearts, to impurity, to dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. So because they exchanged the truth of God, you know, for a lie. And this is what happens when we worship ourselves. We have idols of of ourselves as well as you know, as well as, uh, as other things, but we become absorbed, self very self-absorbed in what we want and what we want to do and how we want to be. Now, I'm going to continue on in verse 28. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to They not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. And this sounds so much like today in the way a lot of people have become. So I'm going to read this again in the Amplified. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God or consider Him, worth knowing as their creator, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do things which are improper and repulsive until they were... Field, permeated, saturated with every kind of unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice, and mean spiritedness. They are gossips spreading rumors, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of new forms of evil, disobedient and disrespectful to parents, without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful, without pity. Although they know God's righteous decree and his judgment, that those who do such things deserve death, yet they do not only do them, but they even enthusiastically approve and tolerate others who practice them. So, this has been all about the unrighteous, and that is still more about the unrighteous there and about the, the evil practices and um, people Worshipping idols, and then people also committing all these other acts because of God. God is not going to interfere. He's not going to stop you from doing what you want to do. He wants you to choose Him. And He will give you over and just let you do whatever you're doing. If that's what you want to do. But see, that's your choice. That's your choice from God if you do that. And that's, that's what people are doing. And that's what we would like for people not to do. Because it is harmful to them, and it brings them about, you know, to the wrong end. We don't want them to have that end. But uh, Now, remember that as we go through these chapters, because this is the end of chapter 1, and and Paul is talking about God's wrath on the unrighteous, and and he's describing and defining and um, telling us who these unrighteous are, okay? And so, in the next chapter, he's going to continue. Now, remember, this is all really one letter. It's all supposed to be one big cohesive thing, but there's so much here that I cannot possibly sit and do all of this in one sitting. Um, But here, he's definitely defining the unrighteous here for us, who they are and what they are. These are examples of what we should not be. Um, or how does it say that ought not to do? And yeah, as we ought not to be, we should not be these things. Um, we should choose God and follow God and not follow these ways because this is this is how it goes. When, when you make that choice and you decide that you don't want God and you don't need God, you eventually your mind just becomes depraved because you feed off of these things and you get into these things. That are all wrong, and just like faith grows faith, well, you know this this kind of depravity and these kinds of um, activities and these kinds of things, they breed more of the same. So it's kind of a reap what you sow principle again. Going back again to that, that still is uh, a uh, basically a law of how things work. So all right, so that is Romans, the letter to the Romans. That's Paul's letter to the Romans. That is chapter 1. I know it has been quite long, but I appreciate you listening, and in the next part, we'll try to pick that up and try to keep this mentioned and keep this looking at this as a cohesive letter as best we can, okay? Alright. Thank you for listening. Hope you have a wonderful day. And remember, God loves you.